We are in the book of Proverbs together in chapter 30, if you'd go there with me tonight. Interesting, I think, the Lord put together the morning message and the evening message. The morning message we saw about a man of little of stature. And then tonight, the verses before us are on little things. Now, I've already been falsely accused. I had a church member, I will not call his name, (laughs) that I was going to be guilty of skipping over the verses about the way of a man with a maid. But I'm not going to do that, but I'm not going to preach on it tonight. But that doesn't mean I'm skipping it. So, nor am I skipping the odious woman. You'll have to. I don't write the Bible. I just preach it. So, I, you know. It could have said an odious. Let's move on. Okay. 24. So, tonight we're dealing with little things. You know, just because something is little does not mean it's not important. As a matter of fact, some of the littlest things in the world are some of the most potent and powerful things. They can be microscopic things that you can't even see, but they can result in much destruction and death and sickness. God delights in using little things. I think years ago I read a little sermon uh, that M.R. DeHaan had written on little things. It was a blessing to, to, to hear. Other preachers have preached on all the little things God used in the Bible, and there are very many, very many. And tonight, all of these things are little, God says, that we're going to talk about and preach about. But they're not unimportant, and they're not unwise, and they're not overlooked by God. And that ought to bring encouragement to your heart that no matter how little you may seem on this planet, we're all just a speck of dust, as it were. But that doesn't mean that our lives cannot count, they cannot be important for the Lord, or that He overlooks our lives. And in our weakness, it doesn't mean that God cannot bring forth great wisdom from us. I would say even as the we little man we heard about this morning that he could have looked at his handicap and passed on by and said, well, that's my excuse. All these things are very handicapped we're reading about. And though they have so many things against them, God says they're exceeding wise. I'm in verse 24 of Proverbs chapter 30 where the Bible says this, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk. Yet make they their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king. Yet go they forth all of them by bands. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. 
before I go through these four things, these four created things in God's animal kingdom, turn over to Job with me, will you? Job chapter 12. You know, it's humbling to have to learn from an animal. You know, humanity, unless you are a proponent of public education and their evolutionary stance, man is so much far above an animal. Man is not an animal. The world humanizes animals and animalizes people. But human beings are so far above animals in many different ways and respects, not just in intelligence, but spiritually speaking, we have a soul. We're going to live forever. Animals aren't going to live forever unless you're, unless you're one of them horses up there in heaven that God made that live forever. I say they live forever. They'll live as long as he wants them to live. I think that, by the way, about animals. You know, people talk about animals that have gone extinct, and they talk about... I tell you what, if God wants an animal to go extinct, then that's fine. <laughs> you know, if God looked down and said, I'm tired of that one, I'm okay with that. As long as it's not a chicken. <laughs> no, we'll find something else to eat, amen. But God's got that prerogative. He doesn't give animals eternal life. They're not like us. But yet, in some respects, they're smarter than us. How humbling is it to have to learn from one of God's dumb little animals? Job says that, and matter of fact, in Job chapter 12, he's answering his three friends, and wow. You know, he's at the bottom of the barrel in his life with his kids dying and his health gone and losing all of his wealth, and this is what he says to his his friends, verse number 7 of Job 12, But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee. He said, you boys need to go to the animals and get some wisdom. You're dumber than the animals. You need a lesson. How do you like this? Today's Sunday school teacher is an insect. How would you like to send her to that Sunday school teacher? Job said, "Go." he says, ask the beast, they shall teach thee, watch it, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. He said, the birds can tell you some things that you need to learn that you don't know. Verse number 8, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee. And the fishes of the sea shall declare to thee. There's something in God's creation, even in his animal kingdom, that has such wisdom in it. That, that, that people need to learn from, that people don't even have the sense that God gave to his animal kingdom. That's where we are in our text. He said there are four uh, things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. Not just that they're wise, but they're exceeding wise. I know a lot of people that aren't exceeding wise. I know a lot of saved people that aren't exceeding wise. How humbling would it be for you to stand before the Lord and the Lord say, you know, that ant I made was wiser than you. Whew. That that spider, you see that spider there? He's got a lot more smarts than you got. What a thing to learn. What is this wisdom? 
Now, look at all their handicaps. They're all little. I mean, verse 25, the ants. They're not only little, but the Bible says in verse 25, they're not strong. You see that? You say, preacher, I've got a lot of weakness in my life. I'm just not a strong person. Well, the ants aren't strong either, but they, they've got help from God. You know, just because you're weak does not mean you don't have to be uh, unwise. You don't have to be unwise just because you're weak. Just because you're little does not mean that you can't be exceeding wise. Look at these ants here. They're, they're handicapped. They're, they're, everything's bigger than an ant just about. Can you see that ant complaining to God? Everything's bigger than me. I just don't know how I'm going to make it. Verse 26, the conies are but a feeble folk. I mean, we're talking about not just little things, but feeble things. You know, if you're not careful, you'll use whatever thing that you're feeble with as an excuse for you to do some very unwise things. Well, I'm feeble, so I don't have to do this. I don't have to live for God. I don't, I, I'm not accountable to God. No, just because you're feeble does not mean you have to be unwise. But so many times with people, that's not the case. They get feeble, and then they, because they're feeble, then they think they have an excuse for whatever they, they want to have a lack in in their lives. The conies. You say, what is a coney? Well, I'm glad you asked. I was in Israel with my son before he got married. And we were down in the Dead Sea region and we went to the Engedi National Forest area. It's the place where David hid in the rocks from Saul. And as we hiked up through there, there's these little animals running everywhere. I mean, it's just a big rock fortress, just rocks, is just barren, you know. Animals running everywhere. I said, what is that? They were conies. You, you know, Americans are so prejudiced. We read something in the Bible. And, and, you know, even English Bibles want to change that word. Do you know every animal don't live in America? You don't have to make it an American animal just because you don't know what it is. <laughs> These things are weird looking. They sort of look like a rabbit, but they don't. They sort of look like a beaver, but they're not. <laughs> they don't have floppy ears, but they hopper. They, they, they don't have, anyway, I got pictures of them on my phone if you want to see it. But, but uh, they scurried everywhere. I can't really describe, I mean, they're about this big. But they're just in the rocks everywhere. But they're not strong. They're, just, they're feeble. They can't, they can't fight. They can't protect themselves. I got about as much strength as a rabbit. And yet they're exceeding wise. Verse 27, the locusts. Now, I'd be ashamed if a grasshopper was smarter than I was. I would be ashamed if a grasshopper had more sense than I had in my Christian life. Little thing, insignificant thing. Verse 28, the spider. That's a little thing. I mean, some spiders are small, you can hardly see them. 
God says they're exceeding wise. Let's go through these one at a time, shall we? He said in verse number 25, the ants are a people. That jumped out at me, first of all. I don't, I, I think of ants in a lot of ways, but I don't think of them as a people. The people of the ants. That's a good movie. He told us about those ants, tried to give us some wisdom from them in chapter 6. Do you remember that? Proverbs chapter 6, you want to turn over there? He says the ants are a people. I think that's very important. I'll get to that in just a second. But in Proverbs chapter 6, he said in verse number 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. He says, you need to go to the ant. I think I told you about evangelist, his Milton Taylor's who it was, and he, he said God touched him so he just studied ants for I, I don't know how many days, maybe a week, and he just followed them everywhere they went and watched them. He said, God told me to go to the ant. So I'm going to the ant. He learned a lot of lessons from those ants. You know, I'd say we'd probably be too proud to study ants for a week to learn a lesson of wisdom. We can't even learn wisdom from the people God put in our lives that are smarter than we are, let alone going to a dumb little ant. I wonder how big an ant's brain is. Could you even measure the size of an ant's brain? And yet he's exceeding wise. He's not strong. Now, he's strong for his size. You've, you, you're just like me. You've seen him carry all stuff that's bigger than they are. But I mean, you know, all you have to do is take your foot and do that and you kill a thousand of them. They're not strong. They have no defense except those fire ants. I don't know how to kill those things. But the ants are exceeding wise. They have wisdom that you need. They have wisdom that I need. What is the wisdom of the ant? They're a people. They're a people. They're a people. An ant doesn't say, I'm going to go off here over by myself and live. An ant never says, I don't need the rest of you ants. Do you know ants can't survive without each other? They can't get food without each other. They have no protection without each other. They are a people. And though they are weak, when you got it, you don't even have to be strong if there's enough of you. And if you're all together, you can make a line and cooperate. I'm telling you what, there are so many of God's people that don't see themselves as a people. They see themselves as an individual. They see their house and their family as some separate entity. You don't have the wisdom God gave an ant. You need to be a part of the people. You're not strong enough to hold up against the onslaught of the devil and the devices of this world. You need the people of God. You need to be together. Ants, I mean, Brother Milton Taylor, I can can see me, he said, I got on the floor and I watched them and they just all were all right in a row and they were all together and they all went and got that food and came. They're all doing that together. He says these ants are exceeding well. They prepare their meat in the summer. They're making preparation for the future. But they're doing it together. 
It's not one little ant saying, I'm going to go dig me a hole, bless God, and I'm going to save my food for the winter. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to get, I'm going to get in line with the rest of the people. And I'm going to do my part. And we're going to get all this food in the winter for all of us. Not just for me and mine. I understand American rugged individualism. I understand that. But I want to tell you tonight that the decisions you make just don't affect you. It affects all the people of God. And these little brained insects have a lot of wisdom. And I tell you what ants do. They get a lot done. I don't know, Brother Monty maybe could give us testimony about this. I remember all those ant hills, you know, in the yard and everything. And I'd take my lawnmower and I'd run over those ant hills as I'm mowing the grass. And it'd just right to the ground. In a few days, it'd be back up there again. One couldn't do all that. They all did it as a people. They got a whole lot done. They're hardworking. They're effective. I mean, one little fire ant, you probably you probably get by. You, you get you get a you get a heel of fire ants on you, son, and you'll find out how effective a little ant can be. You know what I want to tell you? If the people of God would get all together and let the Spirit of God energize their lives and their hearts and control their lives, you'd be surprised what a bunch of ants can do. Little people, but a people. I mean, they can attack that picnic that spread, and before you know it, I mean, they've got what they. I, I've tried. To, I've tried to get rid of ants. I've tried to kill ants, and couldn't get rid of them. I remember up in Virginia, I got so upset with ants being all over in the house. I took red pepper and I started putting pepper on the thresholds and red pepper on the because there's just ants everywhere. I mean, as soon as you'd kill them, they'd come back. You know, you you what you do with ants? You can mess up there and they're gonna come right back. I wonder how determined we are. I wonder how committed we are. I wonder how down we get and we can't go back and just hit it again and build the hill again. Well, I'm just so feeble. Get in there with the rest of the people and build the hill again. Amen. I, there's a lot of wisdom in those ants. Those ants never get discouraged. It doesn't matter how many you kill. It doesn't matter how many they see die. I've set ant hills on fire. And they're not discouraged. They watch their brother and sister ants. They're people. And their mother and father ants all, all dead and they come right back. So next time when you get discouraged, say, I'm better than an ant. I got a bigger brain than an ant. I think I'll get back into it. But you won't be able to do that by yourself. Do you know what that lion does? You know what those... Those, those scavengers do. They, they get that prey isolated. The safest, I'm telling you, the safest place you can be is with your people. And when you get isolated from your people, you'll get picked off one at a time by the, by the, by the adversary. 
The ants stay together. They're busy. We got a lot of busyness in the world, but I like busyness for the Lord. Good to be busy. God forbid that I'd be too busy in my life that I had no time to be busy for the church. God forbid that I'd be so busy in my life that I couldn't have time for God. You know, if you don't have time for God, you're too busy. Be busy for the Lord. Be busy for the, for the work of God's people. All of them help carry the load. I didn't ask them, but we had some men after Ms. Primit came out and helped get rid of a bunch of junk I had in my yard out there at the house built. That really helped. That really helped me. That was a blessing. I didn't ask them to do that. I appreciated it. But, it, you know, it just it's so much easier when everybody's helping carry the load. Amen. Here's the problem. We want everybody to help carry our load, but we don't want to help carry somebody else's load. But the ants, they just say, I'll take a piece. They're never complaining. Can you see where those ants stop and say, I'm not not carrying that. I bet there's never mutiny in an ant colony. They just get in line. They just, I'll do my part. They prepare for winter while man can't even prepare for eternity. You ever wonder where all the ants go in the wintertime? It's almost like they just disappear, and then when spring comes, there they all are. But they're always there, and they always come back. God help us to be that resilient. And God help us to make preparation. They prepare their meat in the summer. And this is what I'm telling you. If you're preparing for your, if you're preparing for your retirement, but you're not preparing to meet Jesus Christ, you've got the wrong preparation. Ants know to prepare for the future. And the greatest future you and I have is not when we get 65. You may not make 65. The biggest preparation you've got to make is when you stand before the Lord. I think about it every day to you. Do you make preparation for that day? The answer of people not strong yet, they prepare their meat in the summer. When they have opportunity, when they can do it, when it's convenient to do it, when they they get at it. Amen. I like, it's not like bees, but when we have... In a service, I like when when everybody's just bustling around. I, I like that buzz. Yeah, yeah. It's like everybody just. I like it. I don't like going to church when it's a funeral home. Matter of fact, I get nervous between songs. You'll watch me every now and then. After the song, I'll say, "Hey, man, you know what? I get nervous. I don't want to live in a funeral home." There ought to be joy and happiness and zeal and excitement and praise and worship. Ought to be an amen and ought to be a hallelujah every once in a while and a hosanna. Busy, running. Praise God. Verse 26, the conies are but a feeble folk. Yet make their they their houses in the rocks. Watch it. They're feeble folk, but they make strong houses. I'd rather be a feeble individual with a strong house than a strong individual with a feeble house. 
Will you think about that? He says, yet make they their houses in the rocks. They can't withstand the blast. They can't withstand the enemy. But if they get in that rock, they'll be all right. Oh, what a lesson from the conies. The ants are preparing their meat. The conies are preparing their houses. Mm. You know, if you're not careful, you'll make provision for the food and the raiment and the clothes and you'll not make preparation for your house. I'm talking about the safety of it. The safety of your house is not in the provision of the money you provide for your home. The safety of your home is getting them in the rock. Isn't that good? What did Jesus say? He said, you need to build your house in that rock. You need to build it on that rock. You need to be smart as a coney and make sure your life is anchored in that rock. Don't build it on the sand. Build it on the rock. There's safety on the rock. And you know who it is that's building their house on a rock? He said, the one that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them. It's not enough to hear the Word of God. You've got to do what God tells you to do. We've got a, a we've got a, a double uh, catastrophe going on. People have removed themselves from hearing the word of God, so they're not in the rock. And they, then we had a catastrophe of people hearing the word of God and they don't do anything about it. And the conies, they're in that rock. There is no safety for your kids outside of the rock. There is no safety for your marriage outside of the rock. There is no safety for our church outside of the rock. We, 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 better, we better hide in the rock. Amen. Hiding in thee, hiding. I'm a, we're a feeble folk, Lord. Lord, we're a feeble folk. The best of us are feeble and weak and we have no strength, but we're going to hide in thee. I may not be strong, but I know where to run where there is strength. Isaiah 33, 16 says, His place of defense shall be the munitions of the rock. The munitions of the rock. The fortress. The weaponry. I believe the safest place in the world is not on a military installation or some a bunker in the United States for nuclear fallout, I believe the safest place in the world for me is the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to hide there. And if he can't take care of me, I'm not interested. If he don't, wanna, if he don't want me to keep breathing, I'm ready to stop breathing. But I believe as long as I stay in that rock, I'll be all right. Are you hiding in the rock? Do you run to the rock? Do you find shelter in the rock? Jesus, rock of ages, let me hide in thee. Mm. They're feeble folk, but they're exceeding wise. Verse 27, the locusts have no king you know, they're not like the beast. You know, some God's creatures that he's made, they have leaders. 
You know, if you studied bees, they're that way. You know, the, the bees have a queen. They have a, they have a hierarchy. They have a structure. It's fascinating. It's amazing. They're, they're, I, I forget what it was. I remember studying all that years ago. But, you know, there's, there's, there's those bees that fight and those bees that gather. And all. Anyway, there's a hierarchy of bees. And, and the queen's at the top. And it's all structured. But here the locusts, you know what? They don't have any leadership. There's not a head locust that gets up and say, we're flying to the corn. They have no leader. They have no king. They have no shepherd. They have no, they have no uh, individual that, that guides them along the way. But yet, they all go together. And the Bible says, the locusts have no king, yet go they forth all of them by bands. They all stay together. They all keep rank. They're all disciplined. They all move as one. Those big uh, uh, locusts uh, uh, that, 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 and of course, God sent them for famine before. And they, you talk about power, though they're little. The destruction and the consummation of the land and the crops. God even said in Joel chapter 2 verse 25, He called the locusts His great army. <laughs> you know, when God wants to destroy something, He just tells the locusts to go do it. Got to go destroy Egypt. All right, locusts, go ahead. And they all get up and they go together. And there's no leader. How do they know how to stay together in bands? How do they know how to keep rank and go together and be unbroken and have that discipline? How is that possible? The only thing I could think of, there is some God-given instinct on the inside of those locusts. When they get up and fly, they all fly together. It's like these stinking blackbirds out here. My soul. It's like they're all chained at the hip. I mean, there's a million of them in the yard. They're not fought for. They're all there. And when one of them gets up, they, they just all get up and go together. They'll all go in the trees, and all of a sudden, then they'll go across the road. And you know how saved people are? They're going in five, fifty, hundred different directions. We can't stay together if people paid us to do it. And I'm just, I'm preaching at the choir. I mean, you guys are coming on Sunday night. God bless you. But that's the truth. And locusts, they're, listen, listen. They have no leader. Thank God for leadership. Dr. Robertson told us, everything rises and falls on leadership. I'm not discounting leadership. I'm just saying, God made some insects so wise, they didn't even have to have a leader. They're going to go where they're supposed to go anyway. Without anybody telling them what to do or showing them the way. Because there's something built in on the inside of them. Oh, Christian. You got something built in on the inside of you that tells you where to go and where to fly and how to live and what to do and what not to do. That blessed Spirit of God, that instinct on the inside. Stay away from that. Stay with the people. Go there. 
I think we're living our lives not by our Holy Ghost instinct. I mean, you think about the animal kingdom. Guys, how big is a grasshopper's brain? They don't have any sense. You can't teach a grasshopper how to talk. You can't teach them how to sit down or roll over. Dogs are dumb enough, but grasshoppers. I mean, all you just hook them on, you throw them out there and let the fish eat them. I mean, a tiny little brain. And yet they've got instinct on the inside about what God made them to do and where to go without, without being begged. Nobody gets up and says, Now, grasshoppers, will you please go eat the stuff in Egypt? They don't look at each other and say, are you going to go to Egypt? I don't know. Do you want to go to Egypt? No, that's what people do. You're going to keep living that way? You're going to keep going to church? What are you all going to do? Guys, there ought to be enough Holy Ghost instinct in you. You ought to know what to do. Amen. Nobody have to. Nobody ought to have to sit down and spell out your life. If you're walking with God, you know how to live. And if you don't know how to live, it's because you're not walking with God. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. I appreciate Brother Jared giving that devotion yesterday. He's talking about the Holy Ghost, and Brother Jimmy didn't even know that he got taught on the Holy Ghost this morning. You can't. You can't get rid of the Holy Ghost if you're saved. No, sir. You can't get rid of him. Mm-mm. The instinct is there. Here's the problem. We go against the instinct. We go against what we know. Yes, we, oh, we ought to fly that way. And we're saying no. Because we don't have the brain of a grasshopper. Yeah, right. Yep. They're exceeding wise. You see what God's people get into? You say, how in the world? They're going against every instinct God put in their heart. The locusts, they're powerful. Man, the damage they can do. God's great army. Lord, help us to be the army that the locusts are for you. I'm, I'm hurrying, giving the last one, verse 28. And I have to say, there's more in verse 28 than I can preach to you. I, I don't have the ability or the know-how or the insights in the Word of God to give you everything from verse 28. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. The spider. God says, I want you to learn something from a spider. Now, the first thing that jumped off the page with me is I looked at at all these verses, and they're put together as four things which are little. And I have ants. I have conies. I have locusts. And then I have the spider. That's fascinating to me. You say, what's that about? I don't know. You go find out and let me know. There's something there. There's a single spider all by herself. And she's a female. You see that? The spider taketh hold with her hands. Think about that. 
Think about the hands of a spider. Science will say, oh, spiders don't have hands. God says they got hands. I believe it. If God said they had thumbs, I'd believe it. Amen. God says they have hands. But they have no fingers. But, oh, the work they can do with those hands. It's amazing. You know, that spider could say now, I don't have a thumb and I don't have index fingers. And if you expect me to sew something, I mean, I've got to have more ability. The spider doesn't say that. That little spider sticking out there, I don't, he, she gives no excuse, but oh, she starts weaving her web. She makes no excuse for her handicap of whatever shape her her hands are. She just goes to work. And oh, the beautiful work that she does. Have you ever looked at the symmetry of a spider web? It's beautiful. It's like a work of art. Somebody came up to me the other day and showed me some work of art somebody was selling. I forget who that was. Somebody in the church... One of their, their relatives was, was doing a work of art. Look, looked like they literally threw sheetrock mud on a board and they sold it for like $1,500. Or more. I don't remember what it was. Something like that. I mean, I looked at the picture and I thought, wow, somebody had a good time with the sheetrock mud. But it was art. <laughs> then compare that to that spider web. I mean, every part of that web... It's mathematically perfect. And it's strong. I mean, for a spider web, I know it's... You, you knock them down all the time, don't think anything about it. But, but that's something that she worked hard. And you know what? Just like the, other, the story of the ants. You go down and knock those spider webs down, and what happens? Get back to work. I just feel like going to the altar. When somebody when somebody takes my work and throws it down and stomps on it that I worked hard to do and it looks so pretty, come on now. And I put my heart into it and it was just what it needed to be and somebody just knocks it down. That doesn't make me want to get back up and build another web. You know why? Because I'm not as smart as a spider. I'm one of God's depraved creatures that gets discouraged. Well, they said this about me and that. Be better than a spider. Well, they hurt my feelings. They knocked down my web. We'll make another one. Is that pretty good? Make another one. She taketh hold with her hand. What's she holding on to? Well, she's holding that web, making that web. She's catching things in that web. She's catching her food in that web. Matter of fact, she's catching things bigger than her. She's catching things that she wouldn't normally catch if she hadn't spun that web. She's smart. Oh, she's wise. And she's not discouraged. And she takes hold. The Bible says here that the spider taketh hold. Look at that in the Bible. Taketh hold with their hands. Would to God we as His people would have the, had the wisdom to grab a hold of what God wants us to grab a hold of. 
in spite of our littleness, in spite of our handicap, in spite of others knocking our things down, we can build something beautiful for the Lord. I'm finished, says the spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. Oh, what a picture. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like spiders. They're a little repulsive. In my house, I, 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 don't, want any, I don't want any bugs in my house. And even if the spider stays where it stays, I, I, I don't want her to be there. Right? She, though she's insignificant, but I, I don't want her there. And if I don't want her in my house, you'd think a king, a king really would not want the spider in his palace. Oh, that palace of gold, that palace of wealth, that palace of power where all those people are waiting and the king's family and the royalty that is there. But because of the ingenuity of the spider and the patience of the spider and the perseverance of the spider and the labor of the spider, Though she is repulsive and insignificant and a little thing. She doesn't just live in poor houses. She lives in king's palaces. And she may not be, as it were, the king's son or the king's daughter. Or one of the fancy servants there that would be welcomed in. But she is living in the same place they're living in. She's a resident there. You know, as insignificant and repulsive as sinners are, he'll even let us live in his palace. He'll let us take residence there. I wonder tonight, are you going to live in a king's palace? Do you have the sense of a spider? We gave an invitation this morning. People came forward. Some said they got saved by the grace of God. Maybe you're here and you're not saved and you don't know about that or you didn't respond this morning. Let me ask you a question. Why would you not want to live in the king's palace? Even a spider can get there. You can get there as well. God, give us wisdom of these things. Keep us together. Help us not to be discouraged or despondent. Help us to put our houses and our lives in the rock. And help us to grab a hold with our hands of what you have for us. 